Hi guys, this is the Desi Condition. I'm Tanushri. And I'm Shima. And we're your friendly neighborhood Desis talking about mental health, how it affects us, and a bunch of other stuff we noticed. Uh, we started this podcast because we think people should talk regularly and casually about topics like these. Yeah, um, especially in today's world, uh, there's the internet. You can literally find anything. You can also find um, a lot of, you know, informative resources that will teach you about these things. Um, you know, mental health is not something that Daisies really talk about often. So we just want to make sure or we just want to start this convo for you guys. You yeah, know? we're not experts or professionals in any way, but we do our research and we try to be as informed and knowledgeable as possible. Um, we also have some of our own personal experiences, so it's not coming from nowhere. Yeah, so again, I'm not a professional. Um, I'm not, you know, I didn't go, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psych. Um, I'm not a therapist. Uh, these are just things that I've always had an interest in, and I made sure that I tried to find out as much as possible about it. Um, if there's anything that we say that is incorrect or inaccurate, you know, we definitely encourage you guys to contact us and you know let us know we are open to that, constructive criticism yes constructive criticism is always a good thing so so <laughs> let's get started yeah. um our topic for the day is shame right and shame culture and shame culture um and the effect it has on the overall south asian psyche <laughs> Right. Okay. So growing up, we all, or not we all, but, you know, growing up, a lot of uh, Desi Americans or, you know, Desi, Desi people living in the diaspora, especially millennials, um, we grow up hearing things like Beisharam or Sharam Nahi or Lok Ya Kahenge or... Yeah. And basically, this is like parents um, and elders teaching children that certain behaviors are, you know, deemed as bad um, and that those things should cause someone to feel shame and it's obviously it's kind of used as a way to guide or direct behavior and uh, in children but eventually it kind of becomes this tool to control and also you know for the kids who grow up learning this as children it can definitely have some very damaging effects to that person to that person's individual individuality uh, I mean it's a lot of policing things like anything when we're growing up, like our clothes, um, our sexuality, who we who we even hang out with, who we're even friends with, and right. can sometimes be a problem um, because it's like separating us from. It, it, it's like it's like it creates a concept of other, and I think that that's very harmful um, because you start to see yourself as outside of a group. So uh, one of the things that I kind of always notice, I mean, shame is something that needs to be deconstructed and really understood. You know, it's only once you understand something that you can then kind of do something to change these unhealthy behaviors, which can only be good for each person individually, as well as that, you know, community or society as a whole. So, um, yeah, so like the definition of shame, for example, um, the noun is that it's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by knowing that, you know, you've done something wrong or foolish. And then the verb is the act of making someone feel that way. So oftentimes a person's own shame will cause them to shame others. Uh, this is like kind of just them dislocating their own shame to another person in order to prevent themselves from feeling that pain. And so you can see the extent that a person kind of goes 
to unconsciously, honestly, to avoid that pain. So it must be something pretty strong, right? Hey, you know what's kind of funny that I just noticed about this definition? Um, I feel like usually, and if a word is both a nerd and no, uh, well, a nerd. nerd. <laughs> We're nerds. <laughs> We're nerds. <laughs> I tried to say noun and verb at the same time, and I said nerd. So if your word is like a noun and a verb, or like it's a, 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 an adjective and a verb, or like whatever, like two separate things like that, they tend to kind of mean the same okay, thing. Okay, basically we're nerds. Basically we're nerds, but but actually <laughs> nerds. God damn it. Um, yeah, no, we're we're the brown people. We're we're big fucking nerds. Sorry. Um, Stereotype. <laughs> you were the one Stereotype. that said it. No, I, okay, I, I, no, I am a nerd. So, I'm yeah. about to make a point. Okay, go. Go with your <laughs> point. What I noticed about this word is that they're not actually that similar. The, the difference is between the victim and a perpetrator. They're actually very different definitions, even though they're not. Right. Okay. So the noun, like, of the, the, the feeling of pain, that is what the victim feels. And then the verb is what the perpetrator does. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And you know, you see a lot of this in just a lot of uh, Desi families, family dynamics, communities here in the U.S. and the U.K. and you know other parts of Europe, or uh, you know even in the South Asian sub subcontinent. It's very toxic, and you know it. Like I said, it can be very damaging to someone's self. You know, self confidence and self esteem. So I just think that you know we gotta. We got to talk about this stuff, you know, so we can really, so we can heal and we can get better. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that besides And we, shame, we have to like, make Hassan Minhaj proud. We, we, we got to make Hassan Black proud. <laughs> okay, go <laughs> Um, Besides, like, just any, um, besides, like, just shame, I think, like, we're discouraged from talking about, um mental health in general but especially shame because I mean the concept of shame in the very nature of shame you see yourself as something other well yeah yeah other like something bad as like right? as yeah. like yeah yeah so bad like there, there's a separation between something you and like what you're supposed to be doing I guess so yeah. It, it, yeah this is what I mean by the concept of other not that you know yeah you're an, an, an other actually um, but you see yourself, like, your actions, what you're doing as something separate. From the standard. Um, from the standard. So, like, if, if you're in that position, you don't have as much of a self-awareness to even know um, that what you're feeling may, may be a shame. Or, 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 or like, to, to deconstruct the shame culture that put you in your current disposition. Yeah, and when you think about it, if you grow up feeling this way uh, and not really having having it being like identified and explained to you like so many of our parents and grandparents and you know even some of us who have like immigrated to the U.S. you know at a young age this stuff kind of just becomes like we become desensitized to it and we kind of like pretty much think it's normal it becomes part of our everyday life lives and we don't really like think oh this shouldn't be right but like now nowadays right like we're supposed to be progressing and I think that this definitely has uh to do this has a lot to do with this has a lot to do with uh just understanding um what it is identifying it and then you know taking that's the first step, um, and you know, baby steps. I think that's so, kind of the goal of this podcast, ultimately. Yeah, baby to, like, steps. 
Yeah, that and like, yeah, recognizing these like these, these little things that pervade our lives every day, and then ultimately gaining enough agency to free yourself from such shackles. <laughs> shackles. I, I like that. <laughs> I just got so, really passionate. <laughs> so intense shackles. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, so you see a lot of people shaming one another, um, kind of in. No, I don't want to generalize, but, you know, it is kind of a big thing in a lot of Desi communities and families. And growing up, I definitely witnessed this myself. I can definitely attest to it. And we definitely uh, experienced this on a day-to-day basis. Um, and so me and Tanushree, when we were talking about this stuff, we wanted to get to the root of where this came from. Um, and after some research, we re- we came upon, you know, this information that there are certain cultures that are shame-based, and then there are certain societies and cultures that are guilt-based. So Eastern cultures tend to be shame-based cultures, whereas Western societies tend to be guilt-based societies. And shame uh, then in Eastern cultures becomes kind of like the thing that will prevent someone from doing something wrong because they don't want other people to judge them for it. And whereas in a Western society, a person will feel bad personally about a behavior of theirs because it goes against some sort of moral code that they have. So whereas in Western cultures, it's very much the individual judging themselves and feeling badly, the Eastern cultures um, kind of include or kind of encompass this feeling of judgment from others. And, you know, once you have that judgment from others, you feel it, it causes low self-esteem, low self-confidence and things like that. And in terms of psychology, shame is caused by several factors. Um, there has to be, first of all, self-awareness and self-awareness of, not just self-awareness, but the awareness of the standards within the society that one lives in. So to be able to feel shame, you have to be aware of the fact that you're a separate entity and there are other people who are watching you and eventually who are going to judge you. And Daisy culture can sometimes be more rigid um, in some ways than, actually in a lot of ways, than Western cultures. And that's one of the reasons why people feel, you know, bad about their actions. And over time, I think the Daisy, you know, psyche has become particularly aware that other societies in the world, initially the British through colonization, are watching them. And uh, the second, another factor actually, second factor is self-esteem and confidence. So uh, the concept of colonization kind of like, I mean, in general, we all know colonization was bad. The British controlled India for a very, you know, for a certain amount of time. Uh, And the thing that we don't really talk about as much is how it affected this society as a whole, psychologically and emotionally. Um, It's kind of like a negative, you know, it's a downward (coughs) spiral. It's a positive feedback system, actually. Um, It's when a person does something wrong and they feel 
that uh, and then they see that others are judging them and so they feel shame for that thing and then that causes shame is basically when you feel bad about yourself as a whole so that behavior will cause someone to feel shame and then that will cause them to feel to have low self-esteem over time which then will make it easier for someone to ca- uh, to feel ashamed of th- of themselves and and on and on and on and on so it's like very much a, a downward spiral and I don't know I think we were like also talking about like expectations and standards within a society and you know once someone knows the standards that you know are there for them to live up to if they feel like they failed it's um that's when you know shame shame comes into play and it's a very dangerous emotion because it indicates to that per like to that person who's feeling it that their like whole self their entire being is bad or negative or unworthy um and this can cause a lot of people to detach uh from their families from their cultures from their societies um they feel to feel the need to hide themselves to hide their behaviors or to even lie to protect their image even though they're doing these things that they know they shouldn't be and just all just to avoid feeling this shame so again it it's definitely a very strong and like very serious emotion if people go to that extent to to yeah, not feel and it. I mean it can give you so all of those things you described can lead to anxiety and depression um isolation and then also um even paranoia having to always feel like you always have to protect your image this is paranoia yeah that's definitely tough uh another contributor i think is uh social sorry societal (laughs) societal status governed by region uh because of migrants going to certain regions looking for job opportunities you know, maybe they come from a region in which the, it's, it's kind of like, quote-unquote, lower caste, and so they don't have certain employment opportunities, so they need to go somewhere else and find a job, and that's okay. But it's also seen as, um, and we, we see analogies here in America, too. We, we see people at, I don't want to say we, because I'm not, I'm not a part of that, but um, we think immigrants are here stealing our jobs. And so, of course, people are going to see that people who are local to certain regions are going to see migrants coming in and taking their jobs that way in a negative way. And so this is also going to create tension. Um, and for, for the migrants, they're going to start to become very self-conscious and self-conscious rather, not conscience. Um, <laughs> self-conscious. Can I talk today? Um, self-conscious. Conscious. And therefore, that can lead to certain feelings of shame um feeling like you're something you should not be um making you feel insecure and feeling you have to protect yourself um and so that's not even so much of a race issue um although it does uh stem from a race or color or caste issue it's not it becomes an economic issue right um okay so final theory is i actually mentioned before uh british colonialism but to dive deeper into that there's actually a lot of the uh, their their biggest tactic, maybe not their biggest, but a big tactic that they used in order to control the the Indian masses was shame, um, and kind of inciting violence between the groups, so between the castes and between 
um, the Hindus and Muslims and other religions. Right. Um, they were particularly scared of Hindu-Muslim unity because more than once, Hindus and Muslims um, banded together as Indians to try to fight this um, British power. And so what they would do is kind of like brainwash them into thinking that, um, you know, they're, they're, what am I trying to say? <laughs> brainwash them into thinking that they're inferior to... They're inferior to the, yeah. the, the other group and like ultimately just trying to stop them from uniting and overthrow the crown. Where was I going? Oh, okay. So the British were attempting to scare Muslims into imagining that they're in a that in free India Muslims would lose their their own identity and therefore be absorbed into the Hindu fold and this is kind of the reason that we even have a separation between you know India Pakistan Bangladesh today um, it's kind of because we started to have like such a high sense of self consciousness about who we are fundamentally as people in our faith our respective faith. I mean, it trickled down into today too. Like, how many times have you heard from your parents like, oh, don't date, like, I'm Hindu, don't date a Muslim. Like, yeah, not so and vice subtly. versa. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's definitely, I think, yeah, shame is definitely a tool that it's a, it's a psychological tool that's used to control people and uh, manipulate them. And the thing is, in back Back then when our grandparents' parents were living in the subcontinent, on the subcontinent, uh, and they were struggling, this kind of stuff, I guess, would help them survive. But here in Western culture where, you know, the basis is, like, the one of the main factors of the basis of the culture yes. is uh, shame. Yeah, so I guess, like, just to summarize the, the whole historical aspect of this, some theories go many, many centuries back, and so things are going to trickle down and, and, and stay um, in. I mean, I kind of think that we inherit shame like we inherit genetics. I, I mean, it's a type of, it's like a type of trauma, right? So yeah, it's like, I think we can inherit you know, trauma. generational trauma. Yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah. It's pretty prevalent in our lives. You know, I think every single person will probably have some sort of generational trauma because... That's just the nature of our lives as human beings. Together, yeah, we're social creatures, and so we are attracted to each other. And you know, now that we're all here in America, um, we're all just kind of like the brown people here, and so we're not so much separated by language or some other barrier anymore. And I think I see it in Indians today that like we like root for each other mm -hmm. you know and yeah like, definitely yeah um and i think that's really lovely i think that it, it's point towards a culture that is is growing and maturing yeah and i think just like these kinds of discussions you know elaborate as they may be these kinds of discussions are actually really important especially I think we for got millennials on, yeah because if if you can have this kind of conversation with a friend or a peer or an acquaintance, you know, there is this understanding between you and within your within this society that uh, shame has really, obviously it's a natural human emotion, but it shouldn't be used to control each other. So interesting 
little tidbit, but I was reading an article about an Indian guy who was living in Hong Kong for a few years, and he started to get the feeling that Hong Kongers have like a general dislike for Indians. Um, so he asked his local Hong Konger, Hong Konger friend, <laughs> friend from Hong Kong about this. Um, he tried to deny it, but after some pressure, he did admit that the roots of this like, of this dislike is historical. Um, because when the British tried to establish a police force with the help of the local Chinese, they failed because they realized that they couldn't rely on the Chinese to attack each other um, and to attack their own people. But they realized that they didn't have that same experience in India. So they brought the Indians in and the Indians followed orders. Uh, the Indians attacked and tortured and hurt the Chinese. And I think there's still some kind of deep-seated dislike and disdain for Indians because of that. Um, and I think it's really sad and really interesting that, you know, Indians do kind of seem to hate each other. Uh, incidentally, I was reading this article, excuse me, on the 100-year anniversary of the Amritsar massacre um, in April of 1919, so I read it just a few weeks ago, where the Indian army wiped out hundreds of unarmed Punjabis um, for literally they were literally just there celebrating a holiday. And honestly, it's a level of brutality that I can't really comprehend. And so that's why I started looking into this from like a historical point of view and started to come up with theories like caste and color and economics and everything else that I just mentioned and to try to find reasons as to why we as Indians seem to be okay with hurting specifically each other, but also someone else. And in this case, the Chinese. Uh, who were going through something similar at the time. So I do believe that the British used shame as a tactic to assert their own superiority um, and to pit Indians against each other, and they probably exacerbated the harmfulness of social structures that may or may not have existed before their arrival um, and exploited those structures until people started to nitpick and see themselves as the enemy. I believe that the British played a big role in inciting a self-hatred that runs so deep among Indians that we couldn't and still haven't been able to rid ourselves of it. It's just a little bit off topic, I think, but not really. Um, I mean, I think we're generally talking about shame and um, within Indian culture. And I mean, if you're if you think about it, <clears throat> this is very on topic because, yeah, I you think know, that we're trying to like and, trace back shame uh, to, you know, the history of our ancestors. And, and it seems like it's been a driving force uh, within within our culture and um, within our ancestors that 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 had a very powerful effect on the on the um on our on their future which is which is really us so yeah it and had i a, think self-hatred and shame have a lot in common with each other because self-hatred often is a symptom of shame i mean tech technically i mean shame is the difference between shame and let's say humiliation is that or embarrassment or guilt really those things can often be um I guess perceived as the same thing, but while shame shame is like saying I am bad, like me me myself as a human being, I'm a bad person. Whereas guilt is talking about about it's action centered. So it's like say, someone saying to themselves, I did something bad. Humiliation, on the other hand, is uh, shame. 
It's, it's kind of like shame, but you're aware of the fact that it's not something that you deserve. Mm-hmm. So you're not feeling like you yourself are bad, just that you're perceived badly mm-hmm. and that it's unfair. Um, and embarrassment, I mean, it's they're all very similar. People tend to realize that, you know, it happens to everyone. It You're able to get over it much more quickly than shame. And uh, yeah, like the feeling of I am bad, that is essentially that can lead to self-hatred. Um, mm-hmm. And in some ways, you can even argue that it is yeah. self-hatred, you know? No, it you're is. right. It, yeah. It's at least a form of hatred. For the self. Yeah. So what do you think is the reason why why these people, you know, were willing to attack their own kind, you know, attack I mean, their that- own people? Just from once, it's not even like they got they got these orders from the, from Indian authorities no, they, they got, got this it from a british um the the british um a, a british general i think i mean i think it's um a lot of things that i just said and it's not just me saying this there are you know actual scholars that say this and not just me <laughs> um saying it for fun but I, it's it's a lot of what i said it's kind of a combination of um class and caste and religion and color and economics and region and language and it's just so much diversity that the British, I think, were able to exploit. And I'm not going to say that there weren't existing structures um, because the caste system did exist before they were there. But I do think that they were there to exacerbate that um, and use it to their own advantage. Right. And I mean, yeah, like like you just said, um, the caste the caste system did exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are um, obviously the super upper class, upper, you know, uh, casts, cast members, um, they definitely take a role in, and even today, to this day, they take a role in shaming, uh, you know, the lower cast members. Yeah, Um, it's still, it's ongoing. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's very prevalent in, um, Desi culture, um, in, you know, South Asian culture, and so we're kind of just trying to understand, how that came to be, um, what exactly was the reason for, I guess, our for us, our ancestors, our family members to feel like they are bad, um, that they aren't thought. worthy. Um, I just had a thought, sorry. Um, I realized that I mentioned things like color and caste and religion. I didn't mention gender, and I should have, because... absolutely absolutely it like it changed a lot like homosexuality was a thing like people were allowed to be homosexual before the british came and that and that's that's a fact um especially when it was largely a hindu nation um and trans people i mean trans trans, trans people actually have have a um i mean back back in the way in the past (laughs) i know that you know india has a history of accepting um Mm -hmm. trans people yeah um they're actually known to to hold a special um like a special place Mm -hmm. in within like the hindu religion i mean like right like yeah they were very that's a thing yeah Yeah. they were um accepted Mm -hmm. um they were actually given this like role of 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 being something special, of, yeah. of holiness, really. Yeah. Right? And so, I mean, it's really interesting that how our, you know, in, in modern times, how our perception of, um, like, 
trans people, um, homosexuality. Yeah, it's and, really been shaped by colonialism in a big way. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So we've talked a lot about the history of shame culture and shame and how it affected our ancestors, but um, obviously like one of the main reasons why we wanted to focus on this topic is also to talk about ways to cope with shame, how to deal with it, and uh, especially in relation to our um, you know, South Asian Desi culture. Um, so here are a couple of ways that you you can deal with it so I mean the number one thing that you need to know is that you know as because shame is such an intense feeling um, of believing that you're bad that you're flawed and essentially unworthy of love and belonging it's uh it's something that is a lot of people hide whatever it is that they feel ashamed of their story whatever their story is surrounding shame they people tend to kind of bury it within themselves and not really talk about it and I think that's like part of the reason why it has such a big impact on our culture um just because talking about feelings as far as I know like talking about feelings especially in in a South Asian um, Desi family, it's mm-hmm. it's not something that is very uh, prevalent. It's not encouraged. Yeah, it's not encouraged. Um, and like growing up, like I I didn't really. My parents talked a lot about you know taking care of your physical health, but not so much like the mental health. And so I think that's like another reason why um, Desis have you know Desi culture has a lot of is impacted strongly by shame and shame culture Um, because the less you talk about something the more power it has over your life and that's how it is with shame the less you talk about it the more power it has over your life and I think a lot of brown people don't talk about emotions and feelings and that's why it has such a large grip on our communities and our our people and ourselves and here's something really interesting that I actually read online basically shame is the most obstructed and hidden emotions um it makes one of because of that it is also one of the most destructive emotions and it's also it's like breathing you know emotions are like breathing and they only cause you trouble when you're kind of obstructing it so there's something obstructing those emotions so if shame is an emotion and you're not talking about it then there's that's something that's you know you're obstructing it from coming to light and that's kind of like becomes ingrained in you as a person and then you know etc etc it it will become become ingrained and over time it became ingrained within our families our communities and our society as a whole Mm -hmm. um so I mean like the first thing I guess you would have to do is kind of acknowledge and share it with people acknowledge you know something you're ashamed of or whatever you feel shame for and share it with people you trust um because their empathy um, will help you get past it. The other thing is, I think, um, Tanushi, like you were talking about um, the historical aspects of, of shame culture and shame, and I mentioned um, how you need to kind of distinguish, be able to distinguish between shame and guilt, humiliation, embarrassment. So um, you kind of have to untangle what you're feeling and understand, you know, what it is that you're feeling. Be able to identify it. You know, is this something, is this just embarrassment or Mm -hmm. is this shame you know because embarrassment is something that can go 
go away very quickly. It's not going to really have a lasting impact on you. But shame is something that will have a lasting impact on you. Um, so that's why I think it's really important to also acknowledge it and be able to um, identify it. So and how would you delineate the difference between humiliation, which can last you a lifetime, versus shame? Well, humiliation is more, um, you know, maybe you're understanding the fact that this is not deserved by you, right? So it right, doesn't it doesn't have to do with who you are as a person. It's still kind of action-centered. Like, it's still something that, like, it's not your fault. Whereas mm -hmm. shame is like, you know, you're blaming yourself. You're yeah. telling yourself that you're unworthy. And, yeah, you're, okay. you're telling yourself that you're unworthy. And essentially, um, you're basing your self-worth on things that are outside of of you so this you know another the third thing I guess that you can can kind of do to silence um, shame is separate what you do from who you are um, so your self-worth shouldn't be attached to what we create or offer um, as people to others or you know to ourselves and because that can cause you to retreat within yourself and not be able to, you know, build relationships or live a, a life of quality, or you can lash out and, you know, um, lash out in many ways, um, but with anger, um, violence. So essentially, if we as people, um, if we define ourselves by what we do, um, we put the power of our happiness in the hands of others. And um, it's really important to be able to separate the two. Um, and that, and being able to separate the two has a lot of benefits because if your identity isn't on the line, um, you'll be able to, you'll, you'll find yourself um, freer to create and and take risks and be innovative um, and and do things that you normally wouldn't and even if you fail it won't be something so incredible like the end of the world you know soul crushing mm -hmm. it will just be something that you know didn't work out for you and will allow you to be able to be able to see, um, you know, praise and criticism for what it is without it affecting your self-worth. Um, and you'll yeah, be able to, clarity. yeah, it'll, it'll give you clarity. And then another thing is um, being able to recognize your triggers. So, you know, shame is very, the triggers of your shame are very connected with, um, you know, your insecurities. Um, so it's like really kind of important for you to realize and think about what are the things that you're very insecure about and, you know, what are the things that trigger the feelings of insecurity. And, you know, I mean, for women and for men, um, it's really important to embrace who you are um, and understand your vulnerabilities and accept them because the more you accept those vulnerabilities, vulnerabilities the more you um you know over time become I feel less like just insecure just and identifying them is like you're halfway there yeah ex exactly identifying them but then also kind of like accepting um them and just just knowing you know these are 
normal human emotions. You're a normal person. Other people feel this way or go through these things, and and you're not just um, worthless because of it. Um, and so, you know, over time, the less shame that you, you have in who you are, obviously the more control you have over your own life and, and your own happiness. Um, and that will, you know, lead to higher self-esteem and confidence and, and success. Um, and so, um, you know, it's shame is really, essentially, if you really look deeply um, and try to break it down, it's kind of like this shame is a fear of... Um, disconnecting it's a fear of not being able to connect with people because um you you feel worthless you feel like it's you're not worth it um so if if you're able to you know create connections and if you're able to um you know feel connected to others your sense of empathy for others and for yourself will definitely you know be much higher and you'll be able to handle um shame without resorting to you know uh es without wanting to escape through drugs or alcohol um you know and and doing things like lashing out and and being angry at the world um and so like that's why i think especially for thisies it's really important to understand these this concept really well and and be proactive of about um about you know just being aware and and taking stride taking some steps to make sure that it isn't something that controls your life and and taking steps to make sure that shame isn't something that you know you pass down to your children and and the future generations um that that it really just like ends here with us can i say something kind of personal sure so i had speaking of this connection i had like a breakthrough yesterday um you know when you like first have a breakthrough you're like wow this is like genius i like can't believe it i just thought of this all the time happens to me like once a day and then like three years <laughs> and then like three days later you're like wait that was a stupid ass thought so like it's entirely possible that this might happen um but i don't i, I kind of don't think so for this case but um i don't know it's possible but anyway so i had i had a breakthrough um and i realized that um i've been feeling very because i've been having depressive episodes and i've been feeling very um, kind of shameful about the way that I've been handling them and like my my lethargy, my complac complacency, um, just kind of the way that I've been living, um, being very unproductive and just makes me feel really bad about myself. Um, and I realized that the reason I, I'm even acting that way is because I feel like in my soul, like in my spirit, like I'm tired and because depression is tiring and right. I just feel like I'm tired. And so I'm doing things like I'm just lying on the couch for like hours at a time or like staring at my TV or, or doing something that's just completely useless, like just staring at memes and shit, like for like hours. I mean, memes are great. I memes are great, but like you don't need memes for hours, right? Yeah. And so... I just realized that I've been using, I've been treating something non-physical, like my my being, my soul, my spirit, all these words that I'm saying are non-physical things. I've been using physical treatments for something non-physical. 
Right. You know, like I've been giving my body rest, but my soul is not my body. Like, yeah. I need a different <laughs> form of rest yeah. and nourishment. And so that actually means I have to do other things. And I realize that for me personally, that means connecting yeah. to to the world and trying to feel like because when you're depressed you're a part you of can, it. Yeah, when you're depressed you can feel like you don't really belong in this world. You're just kind of floating around, like you don't know what you're doing. But I need to ground myself to this earth and so I need to connect. And that's that means connecting with people, um, being of service to like I like to volunteer um with animal shelters. So like I need to go get back into that kind of stuff. Um anyway, that was that was what I wanted to say, just like you said disconnection and that yeah. was what I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, and that it goes back to my shamefulness that comes from my depression. Yeah. And I think like that's very common. Um, and a lot of South Asian and DC families, um, it's just not something that you really talk about mental health and especially mental illness. Um, if it is diagnosed, it's kind of just like, uh, Oh, okay. We're not going to talk about it, but like take care of it. And you know, just go back to normal. It's not something that like parents will really, or a lot of parents will talk about with their children. Like, you know, this is what you have to do. Like growing up, like I always had my parents telling me, you know, make sure you get enough sleep, make sure you drink enough water, make sure that you brush your teeth, like just more of like the physical caretaking Mm -hmm. habits. Um, But I think it's like especially important for South Asians living in the diaspora to be able to also do the same things for their mental health, um, for our mental health. Yeah, to to do self um, care in relation to your mental health. That's, that's definitely important. And so that's kind of like the reason why, or that we chose to talk about this, um, for this episode. So, uh, anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah. And, uh, we will talk to you guys soon and hope to hear back, um, from you. Um, we're looking to, we're looking forward to any type of feedback um, you have. So, yeah, definitely hit us up and let Find us know. Find us on Instagram, on Facebook, or email us on thedesicondition at gmail.com. Yep. Bye. Bye.